You're listening to the Man Overseas Podcast, a show that explores methods and ideas to help you live a bigger life. You will hear interesting stories of how people live, how they save and invest their money, and why having time wealth is better than being a billionaire. If you are entertained, educated, or elevated, be sure to hit the subscribe button. We're just getting started. Now here is your host, Brad D'Antonio. Hello, friends. Thank you for joining me today. My special guest is Michael Dalbar. He is back thanks to feedback from listeners. The last episode we recorded was in 2019, four years ago. In that episode titled Strengthening the Mind Through Unexpected Hardship, we discussed Michael's special needs daughter, Jolie. We talked about his divorce from a girl that he and I went to school with. So she played on the volleyball team at Nichols State where Michael and I played baseball together. His ex-wife ultimately left him for a woman. So you may find that episode interesting if you want to dig deep into the archives. Today's a lighter discussion, albeit just as candid and interesting. In today's episode, we discuss personal finance, fatherhood, travel. So Michael recently traveled to Germany and Italy. And we also talk about what we find fulfilling in life. And of course, we do fun questions, a whole new set of fun questions at the end. So please enjoy this discussion with Michael Dalbar, a dear friend of mine. My man, welcome back. Thank you so much. You know, you were such an excellent guest when we did this August of 2019. So four years ago, almost to the day, you were such an excellent guest that I've had people as recently as two weeks ago message me and say that. The Michael Dalbar episode was their favorite. That's awesome. So that's why I wanted to get you back. Very humbled to hear that. Yeah, I figured we could catch up with microphones and let people around the country, if not the world, hear what we have to say. Absolutely. This time we're in Lake Charles, Louisiana, for the record. We met halfway between our respective homes now, right? I'm living in Houston. You're in Baton Rouge. That's right. And you're still doing the same work. You work in finance. Correct. How's that going? Very well, actually. Yeah? Very well. Uh, About a year ago, took on a promotion and doing more of the fun part of the job, I would like to say. Which is what? Entertaining, taking clients to lunch and golfing and that kind of thing? I would love to do more golfing because my golf game could definitely use the practice. But yeah, more of meeting with clients, talking to them about their needs have half as many clients in my customer base. So my job is to bring more customers to my current employer. Yes. And what's your title right now? Relationship, actually acquisition banker. Do you work from home a lot more post-COVID than you did pre-COVID? Yes. Before COVID, working from home consisted of getting home at 3.30 and checking emails till five. Mm -hmm. Whereas now after COVID, uh, depending on my schedule, it could be an entire day that I work from home. And where are you going to a gym or you work out at home still? Part of my employer, we have an insurance program where I'm a member at four gyms because I pay a flat fee. Mm-hmm. So it's not because I'm that gym obsessed. It's just that I pay $30 a month and I can go to any gym that I want. But to your question, I work out still sometimes from home, but 90% is at a gym. And I 
started doing yoga for the first time about a year and a half ago, some spin classes. And I love that the gym that I go to has those type of things, saunas, et cetera. So. I do the sauna probably four days a week right now, 180 I, degrees. Mm-hmm. I just started doing that within the last three to four, three to four months. And I don't do it consistently, but I know the benefits are there. So do you go shirtless? Sometimes, sometimes, mm. but Normally not. I'm already sweating, so I go after my workout. And no, I ran into an issue with chafing, and my doctor told me it was because I was wearing underwear in the sauna. So I try to get naked as often as possible. But the gym I'm going to now is unisex, and you you really can't. So he's insistent that I take a shower after going in the sauna every time if I'm going to wear shorts and underwear. So the sauna at the gym you go to is not inside the men's bathroom. No. So the one that I go to, the sauna is inside the men's bathroom. Okay. That's how it used to be where I was. They also had a steam room in the last one. And it also has pickleball on the third floor. Have you played? One time, three weeks ago, and definitely want to play more. I actually texted my buddy yesterday, who I work out with consistently, and said, I'm available at 4 o'clock, pickleball or gym. (laughs) And we ended up doing the gym, but I was leaning towards pickleball, but... It's good cardio. People make fun of it because it's kind of an old person's game, but we're not getting any younger. I mean, if I can go easier on my joints and ligaments, I'm going to do it. I don't care what people say about me. (laughs) You definitely don't care what people say about you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I've since bought pickleball shoes. I have a racket. I bought my wife a racket. It can be hard, especially during summer months, to even reserve a court because the sport is so popular. And if you talk to... Those who are in construction, there's a lot of demand now for neighborhood pickleball courts, especially around Houston, Atlanta, Dallas. I mean, the sport is really, really taking off. I heard a story of somebody, an investor, who purchased a pickleball team for $100,000 like in 2020, and that team is worth $10 million right now. I thought when I heard you the other day say something about you go to a gym that also has pickleball courts, my mind went to... Buy a warehouse, have pickleball courts, and also have a gym on the other side, but with an open floor plan and make that membership. You can play pickleball or have your gym workouts along with more of an open turf concept, which is where a lot of the gyms are going to to work out. Anyway, that was my thought. They have one in Houston on 45 North that's a combination of of pickleball and trampolines so it's like a trampoline park Mm -hmm. but i'm always hearing rumors of them building these massive complexes based on pickleball Mm -hmm. and i definitely looked into it i was working with a commercial real estate agent he's a kristenick little brother of former guest kurt kristenick and he was helping me to find like a five thousand to 10,000 square foot facility and i had done all the math i had a couple of investors lined up But since I was the lead man on this, I would have had to basically be the general manager for what would amount to, I estimated, 18 months. I didn't want to buy myself a job for the next 18 months until I can train someone to replace me. So that's why I didn't do it. But I I do think the math would work. I looked into the one on 45 in Houston. They charge... It's either $55 or $70 a month membership fee. And I can tell you at the place 
where we work out the gym on the third floor where they have six pickleball courts during the summer months it was very hard to get a court reserved like you'd have to reserve it as much as 10 days in advance if you wanted to reserve it for an hour yeah crazy yeah we recorded our episode last time in Salzburg you've been to Europe in the past few months Four weeks ago, I got back, actually. Yeah. How was that? Amazing. Yeah? Amazing. Tell me about it. Yeah. Went with a buddy of mine. We were in Munich for four or five days. We did split Croatia for two days, Havar, Croatia, Naples for a night, and then the Amalfi Coast as well. So Favorite part? The Amalfi Coast, the views are breathtaking, but Havar... The island hopping, thanks to you for your recommendations and help with that, to see some of the most beautiful blue water and get on a boat, get to the next island, sit, have a drink, relax, jump back on the boat, go to another island, swim in the ocean. So pretty, cool. Pretty cool. For yes. sure. For sure. Are you amazed at some of the wealth that you encountered, people, Europeans with, with these mega yachts? Did you see some of that? Very much so. Yes. Isn't that incredible? It is. It is. And I was also so impressed with how many people I met from Australia that were there. And so I think my flight from Houston, because I flew from Baton Rouge to Houston to Munich, was 10 hours from Houston. And their flight, I think, was like 18 to 20 hours. So the amount of people that I met from Australia mm-hmm. that were in Croatia that were 28, 29 years old, just makes me think these people are living right. Yeah. When you go to Bali, you encounter a lot of Australians because it's just north of Australia. Bali is. And it's 22 hours Mm -hmm. by plane. Mm -hmm. That is such a long time. Yes. And if you have a little one, good luck making a trip like that. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. So you enjoyed the views, you enjoyed island hopping. Did you see topless beaches? Were there a lot of those? Not really, no. I saw some topless women, yes, but it wasn't by abundance by any means. Mm -hmm. And probably not what you'd want to see. New beaches are that way. Correct. (laughs) Correct. What did you guys do? Uh, Did you go to a concentration camp? I did. Which one? Dachau? Dachau. So that's about 45 minute, a 45 minute train ride from Munich, if I remember correctly. Uh, actually, I took a cab, so it was probably maybe 30 minute drive. Mm. So probably by train, you're about right, I would assume. Very humbling experience, which yeah. you remember when we went to Terezin mm-hmm. in the Czech Republic. So I didn't know this, but Dakar was the first ever concentration camp and longest operating concentration camp. Wow. How many years? I think, don't quote me, but it was either 1930 to 1945 or 32 to 45. Jesus. And they modeled the other prison slash concentration camps around Dakar. I did not know that. Yeah. Did you also make it to Neuschwanstein Castle? I did not. I wanted to, but it didn't work out. So that, for listeners, is a fairy tale castle that's about an hour and hour and a half, two hours southwest of Munich. Another cool spot to visit from Munich is 
actually Salzburg and Berchtesgaden. But how do you say it? Berchtesgaden? <laughs> Don't ask me. That's where Eagle's Nest is, which is, if you've seen Band of Brothers, which is was just added to the lineup Netflix. of Netflix. I saw that. We started yeah. watching it. I've seen it twice all the way through. Oh, it's so I, good. I've watched episodes, and it's funny because when I mentioned Berchtesgaden and Eagle's Nest, so many people reference Band of Brothers. Mm. One of my favorite moments, which... I appreciate you taking that picture that you did when we were in Berchtesgaden and I sat next to that probably 90 year old woman who told me when she was five years old, when the allied forces were bombing all around Eagle's nest to try and capture Hitler. And she was going to school inside of a mountain. Yes. And I was riding the bus with her and you took that picture and my face is just like, she just offered me ice cream for the rest of my life. Like yes. the joy on my face, that conversation, I'll never forget. Yes. You, I'm so glad that you appreciate conversations like that. You don't get those rich experiences unless you travel to places That's like right. that. And how many people get to do that? Not That's right. many. That's right. That was such a cool conversation we had with her. I, I remember that very distinctly. Berchtus Gaden, if, if you can imagine that you're Hitler's architect, someone who thinks that they're going to be at the head of the thousand-year Reich, he's going to rule the world from Germany, and had his architect find for him what he considered to be the most beautiful location, something fitting of the king of the world, basically, and, and build him a cabin up there. So you go to the top of the mountain, think you're at the, the peak. No, there's a golden elevator that you go through this tunnel for like 100 yards and then go up in this golden elevator for another 100 yards up in the mountain and arrive at the peak. And from there, you can see Salzburg, which is about a 30-minute drive from Berchtesgaden. I mean, you can see all around. You can see Lake Königsee below. I mean, it is really probably the most beautiful view in the world. And if you remember correctly from the first podcast episode we did, the picture that you chose was me standing at the top of Eagle's Nest overlooking mm. all of that. I wish everybody could take that trip. And after you watch Brand of Brothers, which I hope everybody gets to do, after you watch the final episode, there's 10 of them, it'll make you want to go to Eagle's Nest and check it out. And also Lake Kinnicksey, as you said how crystal clear that water is. And do you remember on the ferry ride, the guy was playing the horn and it would echo through the mountains. Mm -hmm. That was pretty cool too. Yeah. I, I have a dream of, of going and living there for 30, 60 days. It's expensive though. I've looked at Airbnbs. They average four to five grand for 30 days. That's a well, lot of money. And you'd have to like your full-time job that you have to be at at six every morning and you don't get off till six, right? You'd have to quit that too. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the greatest realizations you come to traveling is what's different about America? Oh, we really value our standard of living so much so that we're up at 11 p.m. responding to emails, making sure we're pleasing our boss and pleasing our customers. And we're wound so tight that when we go on vacation, we're still working. Europeans the vast majority of them would not dream of working while they're on vacation or holiday as they would call it. But they don't have the same standard of living as we do. Our houses are much bigger. We get new cars much more frequently. But of course, we don't have the public transportation that they have. We don't have trains that run on time all the time where we can ride our bike everywhere. And 
And that's one of the reasons that Vienna gets voted the top place to live in the world quite frequently, almost every year. And a lot of it has to do with how you can walk and get on the, the tram or the subway or the, the... There's just so many different ways to get around and you walk and therefore you're healthy and happy. And, and that is a place that we lived for 30 days and it was an awesome experience. But uh, you, I've taken you to Vienna. Twice. Twice. So the trip that we did was Prague to Vienna, Vienna to Bratislava, Bratislava to Budapest, Correct. and flew home from Budapest. So you're getting Czech Republic, Austria, Slovakia, and Hungary. And Hungary. That's right. Not a bad selection. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And the train ride from Prague to Vienna is pretty Pretty impressive as well. A lot of countryside, huge big windmills, time to reflect. When we were there for 90 days in that part of the world, I would take trains that left at, say, 7 a.m. for four hours. So I'd go from Prague to Budapest just to be on the train, just to be captive. I do my best reading and thinking and journaling when I'm captive on a plane or a train, and I much prefer trains. So I would do that. I'd have I'd spend the day in Prague or Budapest by myself from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. and then get back on the train and go home. It was the coolest day. Yeah. <laughs> and and you got to create that separation with your significant other when you spend 24/7 with them. If you have a work from home job and you're constantly up each other's rear side, you got to be deliberate about, "Hey, boo, why don't you go do this with your girls and I'll do this with my guys or by myself?" And I'm I like to spend time alone. You've struggled spending time alone in the past. Is that something you'd say you still struggle with? I've gotten better, for sure. I think part of that is I am such an extrovert that I Mm -hmm. love being around people. Mm -hmm. But as I've gotten older, I definitely value my think time so much more, my alone time so much more. So I've definitely gotten better. What would you say? Go ahead. I think part of that is, though, the habits. I didn't used to read as much as I do now. What are you reading right now? The 48 Laws of Power. You love it, huh? I do. It's a conquest to get through. It's 450 pages of Bible type font. I mean, it's, it's a long one for sure, but it's a great read. And so through reading more, through journaling more, through taking walks, it's interesting. I, I used to like to jog and I still do like to jog, but I prefer walking over jogging now. Hmm. And the more I read, the more they say a healthy walk through nature does so many great things for you. Definitely. So, so I really enjoy walking. So to your question, I think that's part of why I enjoy now being alone is because of the healthy habits I've created. I love hearing that. Don't you find reading the 48 Laws of Power, a lot of times you can skip the accompanying story with the law? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that the stories that go with the law make it more memorable. Agree. One of the conversations I had this week with Tank, Tyler Johnson, former guest on the podcast, he was saying one of his goals is to read 20 pages a day. And that when he travels, he sometimes neglects that that daily goal of his. But when he's reading, he notices a much bigger difference in his communication skills. I've always said this too. When you when you have a regular reading habit, 
not only do you bring more to a conversation, but you find yourself with a more expansive vocabulary. And I've encouraged people to read aloud because when you read aloud, you don't say um and uh. And so that comes out in your speaking too, or the lack thereof and um and uh and different fillers. Because when you read aloud, you would never say um and uh. I've never thought about that. It's a good practice. It's great practice. Podcasts are so beneficial to me. Hugh Jackman was on Tim Ferriss one time, and you'd think, well, I'm not going to listen to this one. What can I learn from a Hollywood movie star? Well, he shared one time that he and his wife read to each other. It's a way for them to spend quality time and do some extra reading, and they'll read a good story. My wife started doing that. We'd set a timer for 15 minutes at a time. Love it. Wow. That's it's great, like man. favorite pastime. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. What would you say is your greatest struggle? The thing I fear the most is after I'm gone, Jolie, because she's special needs and because she will forever need adult care. I struggle the most with when I'm not able to care for her due to age, health, and or not being present, deceased. That's what I struggle with the most. So does that mean you hope to outlive her? Absolutely. Yes and no. I want her to live as long as she can. Naturally, you want your children to outlive you. But also the fear of after I'm gone, someone not caring for Jolie as much as I do, or as her mother would also. Well, you said naturally you want your kids to outlive you, but you're saying you hope to outlive her, right? I don't know. I want my daughter to have the best life ever, but I fear for after I'm gone, people not giving her the best quality of life she could have if I was still there because I have to make decisions for her. Yeah. And that is so tough. Did, have they ever given you a life expectancy for her? We found out with the developments in genetics and genetic testing, we found out that Jolie's diagnosis was caused by a mutation of the DCX gene. With that mutation of that DCX gene, there was a possibility that she could only have a few months or years left to live. Because the majority of people with this diagnosis that she had, with the seizure disorder she has, very few live beyond 20 years old. So we went up to Minnesota about six months ago, met with a doctor there who is very well versed in genetic testing and basically told us the diagnosis that Jolie has, she is on the better side of that, so she should outlive us. Oh, and so to your question, that was actually really good news. Wow. And how long had you been thinking 20 years is all she would get? Between getting the genetic test results to that doctor visit was probably six to eight weeks. And so she's, what, 17 now? 17. From age one or zero to 15, you were thinking how long she would get? Uh, well, I didn't know with... The initial diagnosis, which was Lennox-Gastaut syndrome, which is a very rare and severe form of epilepsy, mm. that with that, it wasn't necessarily that she will die at 20 or 21. There is a possibility. Mm. Any person that has a severe seizure disorder has a possibility of, of passing away because if they have a seizure and fall and hit their head, 
that's where it happens. Or they have a seizure near water and they drown. There was a chance, but specifically with the genetic testing, there were certain severities of the diagnosis she had. Let's just call it one to four. If she was at a four, 90%, and don't quote me on this, of children with that diagnosis at a level four don't live beyond 21. Luckily, Jolie was on the number one side, so she should outlive us. And you've told me that she would always have the functioning brain of, of how old? Probably a two-year-old. Okay. Yeah. It was in the, the news recently that a pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers was suspended 162 games for violating Major League Baseball's PED policy. The guy's name was Mejia. Mm-hmm. When we played college ball, were you ever tempted to use steroids or did you dabble? I never, ever took steroids. I was never really tempted, but it was definitely available to where it was a next door neighbor one time opened a shoebox with, this is testosterone, this is Winstrol, this is... Did you ever have a reason for not doing it? I never had a reason to do it. You don't think it would have made you a more effective pitcher? I think it definitely would have. I just, I don't know why I did. Maybe part of it was... Felt like maybe it was cheating. Maybe part of it was I didn't like the idea of a needle going in me. Maybe part of it was that's steroids. That's horrible. You could mess up your liver. I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm kind of glad that I, I didn't try and talk myself into doing it. Are you on Twitter now, X? No. No. Have you noticed Tucker Carlson is on there now? He has shows, like uh, he's done 25 episodes now. And when he was on Fox News, he'd get about 3 million viewers. He interviewed the Argentine presidential candidate recently, Javier Malay, I believe is his name. Right now, it has 419 million views. Wow. The Super Bowl gets about 100 million views. That's four times that much. That's crazy. It's unreal. He had one with Ice Cube that I think you'd really enjoy. The one with Javier Malai was really good, too. Yeah. X, which Musk plans to be the end-all, be-all of the interwebs. I mean, he thinks it could be a combination of Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, etc. He wants to be a multimedia mogul, I guess, in addition to SpaceX, Tesla. You know, he's got all these companies. He, he, what an amazing guy. Did you see the most recent that he's experimenting with brain chips? Neuralink. Yeah, Yeah. he tweeted about that this morning, actually. Yeah, yeah. I had this conversation this week, too. I do think at some point we're going to say, I can't believe how blind we were to what's going on inside of us. The fact that we have to get blood tests. Whereas one day I think we'll have a chip where we'll know all of that stuff Mm -hmm. instantaneously. Our cholesterol level, our testosterone level. It'll be as easy as looking at my watch right now at a text message to say, oh, my testosterone level is, my blood type is, my blood pressure. It's so surprising we're not there yet. With the way you can take your blood pressure by something just squeezing your arm and then it tells you and it tells you your heart rate, how could we not have something wearable that would give us more data? I mean, the fact that you can FaceTime with someone in Europe right now. It blows my mind. It's still. And I talked with my dad about that. We have FaceTime now to where, like when we were in Salzburg, we can FaceTime someone real time. So that was four years ago. We've had FaceTime, I don't know, eight years, nine years. Five years from now, 
will I be able to be a hologram in Baton Rouge and you're in Vienna and I'm sitting in a hotel with you recording a podcast as a real hologram, which now you have the metahasm mm-hmm. where you I've can virtual reality, right? Yeah. So if we already have that where you're basically walking through Prague or Vienna and it's like you're there based off visual observation, why not in five years will it be I'm actually a hologram literally walking around? You ever meet real people and think you spend way more time online than offline? Just in that they're either not making eye contact or based on what they say to you, you realize these conversations didn't happen 10 years ago. You don't know how to interact. (laughs) Very much so. Like uh, the people that comment on Twitter or, or post without a name or a face. It's when you take that to the real world, it doesn't compute and you don't realize that. It's so, the world is so crazy. And I, of course, told the story last week of, of that girl in the Costco parking lot with how bold she was with me. If you could live to 400, 500 years old, would you do it? Absolutely. Yeah? Yes. And that would be even if you stayed at the physicality that you had at, say, age 90, you'd be okay with living that way another 400 years? If at 90 I was coherent, if I was still able to walk, move around, be mobile, not like a 40-year-old would be, but Mm -hmm. still functioning as normally as a 90-year-old would without health implications, absolutely. We talked about work earlier. I'm curious what how you were able to do this. Is it because you had you took tomorrow off? Oh no, I'm I'm going to work tomorrow. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um tomorrow I'll probably wake up, have breakfast, work out and drive back and and work. Okay. Mm-hmm. What time are you planning on getting home roughly? Mm, I hadn't really thought about it. I just know that I have my phone available. I have access to my email if a client needs me as early as 7.30, 8 o'clock, I'm available, just like I always am. That's the beauty of the job that I do is whether I am at my physical office or I'm at my house or I'm driving on the road, I can get done mostly what I need to. So when you were in Europe, did you operate the same way or you turned everything off? Once I start vacation, whether I am in Europe or I am in the States, vacation is vacation. And how long were you in Europe? This last time um, we were there, either 10 or 11 days, I took off a full two weeks from work. Oh, good. So you didn't get back and feel like you needed a vacation from your vacation. You had a couple days to chill. left on a Monday, so I took off that Monday and took off the following week as well and got back on a Saturday right around noon, had Saturday afternoon, Sunday to recover and go back to work Monday. What about Coach Prime? Is that due to stud or oh, what? Oh, wow. Only got three toes on one foot and just can't stop the guy, man. I didn't know he had only three toes on yeah. one foot. Yeah. Wow. He's got, I don't know exactly what his medical condition is, but if you've noticed when they show him in practice, he's riding around on the golf court. It's because he has some challenges. I don't know if it's with blood flow or something like that, hmm. but he had to cut off two of his toes, his big toe and... I don't know what you call it. The toe next to the big toe are gone. 
And how long ago was that that he had to this come? This was home? within the last year. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. How do we not see any two star, two sport stars anymore? I saw it about four years ago, the Bo Jackson documentary, the 30 for 30. Mm. And I watched it with Monty, Monty Mitchell, with his son. And Monty was explaining to him how great of an athlete Bo Jackson was. For Deion Sanders to, I forget the stats, but I saw Skip Bayless the other day say with the Yankees, he played 92 games, baseball games, while also playing for the Falcons in a full NFL season. Deion Sanders is who I'm referring to. Oh, wow. Played with the Yankees in 92 games while also playing for the Falcons. He started out with the Braves. Deion Sanders did. Yeah. But do you realize how physically taxing that is? I mean, to play 16 NFL games Mm -hmm. in and of itself is unbelievably taxing on the body. But to turn around and realize that, okay, football starts technically in August with games preseason, but you're practicing easily in June and July. Baseball kicks off in what, March, April, the major league season. So to think in March, you start playing baseball, 162 games. June, July comes around, you start having to dabble with practicing football and then to go straight into a 16 game season in football with the best athletes in the world. I guess it didn't seem so amazing to us then. But now that we're 30 years hence and nobody else has done it, <laughs> it's, it's like, holy cow, we didn't realize what we were witnessing at that time. Because there were other folks like Brian Jordan did it, too. I don't know if you remember him. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many others there were. Well, look at Russell Wilson. They say he's a great baseball player. And they showed him taking a few ground balls, like with spring training. But again, no one's really done it since, yeah. I, I think... It's, it's very impressive. And the fact that they played at that level. Like when you think about Bo Jackson, the reason his hip injury was so severe was he had so much power that when the tackler was grabbing his leg, he had so much force and power, the hip literally separated because he had so much torque pulling away from. Do you remember that 90-something yard run where he ran into the tunnel? I do. We don't see that anymore. People are almost always caught from behind. Mm-hmm. Why is that, you think? It's Bo. Bo knows. I mean, they were just that far superior from a straight line running standpoint? Well, and think about it. Marcus Allen was a Hall of Fame running back. And Bo Jackson decides to play for the Raiders. And it's almost like, <laughs> we appreciate you, Marcus, but mm-hmm. we've got a new guy. Sit on the sideline and watch this. Yeah, that's a good point. That made Tech Mobile so fun, the fact that they had two running backs. And unfair. Yeah, and <laughs> that whoever had Bo else. Jackson was ten times faster than anyone else. There was also a play with the 49ers where the wide receiver would cut across the field. I don't know if you remember that route, but you couldn't defend it. He would catch it every time. Is that Jerry Rice? No, it, it must have been John Taylor, or maybe it was the tight end. Oh, shit, now I'm not remembering. But there's a tournament every year in Omaha. It's a Twitter account or an X account called RBI Baseball and Tecmo Football. And they get people together every year in a couple different rooms at this giant bar and play a tournament. Everybody puts in like 20 bucks. I've always considered 
getting a buddy and going up and doing that. I'd probably enjoy that now as much as going to the College World Series. Yeah. I saw a commercial today. It's one of the ESPN, you know, funny commercials. And in Dion, they show him this is very relevant and very recent. He's got his Colorado coaching gear on. Mm-hmm. And someone on SportsCenter says, we've never seen a rookie like this talking about a rookie now. And Dion Sanders says, what? <laughs> so he goes to the combine with, like, a wig on. And they ask him his name. He's like, uh, Neon Sanderson, <laughs> Sander Beach, and does the combine again. Like, as this other guy, and it's like, who is this guy? He just ran a 4-2. It's pretty impressive. Do you remember what they said Dion could run the 40 backwards in? Do you remember that number? I remember hearing that he was either as fast or almost as fast backwards as he was forwards. Wow. Which is why he was able to cover receivers so well. Yes. Did you happen to watch that Colorado-Colorado State game the other night? Not all of it. I saw some of the highlights. So I know they were a 23-point favorite and struggled, but they came back in the fourth quarter to tie the game and then go on to win it in overtime. They had a real ferocious play in that game. Did you see when the Colorado State DB targeted that receiver? He got death threats because of that. I could not have had a better response than Deion Sanders did about that. Did you see that? I did. What did he say? The guy was 20 years old? He basically said, this is a young man who made a mistake, but for him to receive death threats, that's not right. This is a young man who made a mistake. I forgive him. I thought that was so impressive. I love what he's doing for these young athletes. I, I love it. Ditto. Ditto. It makes guys like Nick Saban and Bill Belichick seem like the old guard, right? Like, this is the new wave of coach. I'm so impressed with all those hothead dudes that were so arrogant when they played and ran their mouth all the time. How They all seem to have gotten good jobs on SportsCenter and as anchors on Sunday morning. Like the Randy Mosses of the world or Ryan Clark, who's from Louisiana. That dude constantly ran his mouth as a kid. I knew him. Michael Irvin, all of them, all the hothead receivers. I'm surprised Ocho Cinco doesn't have a job as a commentator. He probably does somewhere. Who knows? But that'd be the greatest job ever. And when you're a kid, you you think, wow, why would Troy Aikman or Tony Romo? I mean, back when we were kids, it was like, why would Boomer Esiason go and take a job as a broadcaster? You know, he'll never be at the level that he was as a quarterback, but... When you get older yourself and you realize these guys have to do something, <laughs> you know, you, you can't just go and live on a farm the rest of your life. You got to support yourself. And that would be a wonderful way to do it because you know all the intricacies of the game. And somebody like Tony Romo, they make you realize, why hasn't there been someone with this much insight in the past before? You know, where were these guys? It's like as a Saints fan, every NFL team seemed to have two fast receivers now. And when I was a kid, the Saints couldn't get a fast receiver. Like, Brett Perryman was their fast receiver. And they had Eric Martin. He would catch the ball well, but they couldn't get anybody fast. Eric Martin, I think he was number 84. I think so. Yes. And Dalton Hilliard and Reuben Mays in the backfield would be their 1,000-yard rushers. And, of course, Bobby Hebert, the Cajun Cannon, was their their quarterback. What about the defense, man? The, the Dome Patrol, right. Pat Swilling, Sam Mills, Ricky Jackson. That's right. Who was the fourth? Vern, uh, Vern. Swilling. You said Pat Swilling. Swilling. I thought you oh, said I did? Pat Swilling. I thought you did. Pat Swilling, Ricky Jackson, Sam Mills, and 
Vaughn Johnson. Vaughn Johnson. Wow. I, was, I was gonna say Vern Vaughn. That's right. That is something. The Saints are two and zero this year so far, huh? Absolutely. With Derek Carr. You know what's interesting? So Saints are who that? Mm-hmm. I shared with you two years ago. We went to the LSU Kentucky football game, and then we drove over to Cincinnati to watch Joe Burrow take on the Packers. And the Bengals say who day. And I remember seeing that everywhere. Who day and being like, they're stealing this from the Saints nation. It's who that. I noticed. But they said they've been saying that forever. And I don't know about that. They should have hung their hat on the icky shuffle. Right. Remember the icky I shuffle? I do, very much. And I remember the commercial. 44, ladies and gentlemen, going to get some cold cuts. Going to get some cold cuts. <laughs> Nicky Shuffle. You don't remember that? Uh-uh. Yeah. Let her have it. No, I don't remember that commercial. <laughs> I think it was a Geico. Really? 44, because he, he pulls a number at the deli, and he's number 44. They call his number, and he does the Icky Shuffle. Going to get some cold cuts. Going to get some cold cuts. <laughs> Speaking of athletes and what they do post-career, you know how much money George Foreman made with the Foreman Grill? I had one of those in college. I, I don't know, but I know it's more than but he did in boxing, right? Oh, I think it's hundreds of millions yeah, I from so. the Foreman Grill. Do they still have those? Do they still make them? I don't know. That was huge. That kept me healthy. I would uh, eat grilled chicken all through college. from the Foreman Grill. Throw a chicken grill. breast on it, watch the grease strip off. Done. Yes. We both also talked about how we would eat a second dinner at Taco Bell at night. I mean, when you're 20 years old and you're working out and going to baseball practice every day, four meals a day was was standard practice. I got up to 211 pounds when I was living in New Orleans. Never in my life have I been over 200. I'm now back down to 185. I didn't think it was possible with my build to get that heavy. Mm-hmm. And I remember giving a talk at, at Lafayette and had it recorded and was so disgusted with myself that I didn't publish it anywhere. Why? Because I was chubby. I couldn't believe how chubby I was. <laughs> I was disgusted with myself. And if there's anything to get your your ass in gear to light a fire underneath you, it is disgust when you are disgusted you will get after it that and when you see yourself on camera or in a photo it's like that's what i look like i'm i'm gonna get it in gear yes you know they say always take a photo because you're going to appreciate how young you were in that photo that's right you know what i just thought about you just said so when we were working out at Nichols on the baseball team Think about how motivating that was and the discipline of I'm going to work out four or five days a week at this time with 30 other guys that are going to push me like no other. That's a good point. Think about that. To not be successful in that type of environment means you are truly choosing I don't want to be successful. Like you have to blatantly say I'm not going to be successful if you're put in that type of environment to be successful and to be pushed like that with winners all around you. Two things there. So I told you earlier that they, I've never wanted to be like everybody else. So I don't say the things that others say. So you'll never hear me say I hate Mondays. I hate leg day. 
I hate moving because that's what everybody says. I don't sure. say it is what it is. I don't say at the end of the day, I don't like that shit. I don't want to talk <laughs> like everybody else. I won't go where they go. So if I'm looking for an edge, when I was in college, I would put a weight in the back door so that I could get extra work in while everybody was at home playing video games. I don't know if I've ever told you that. I used to use that weight. I would go do that. Really? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. So you would do it too. I'm surprised we didn't run into each other. Yeah. But yeah, I'd work out in the dark and that would give me a psychological and physical edge, I would like to think. Another thing that reminds me of is that when I got out of college, I would continue to do those workouts. I would run 110-yard sprints because once you get accustomed to doing something, it's easy to continue it. And so not only financially did I continue to live like a college kid knowing that it would benefit me, but physically too, I just kept doing those workouts. This might sound like um, a little harsh, but I don't understand how people don't take their health more seriously. I don't understand that. Do you think it's because maybe they've never had a scare? I think, of course, that could be part of it. I think part of it is we're all products of our environment. If your parents never taught you healthy eating habits or you weren't an athlete that was forced to work out four or five days a week, and I think they've never experienced the confidence and that euphoric feeling when endorphins are pumping. And why wouldn't you want to duplicate that over and over and over again? Yeah, I think of the same thing with regard to spending. Like, to me, it's crazy that people would be blind to how much they're spending every month. Or it's crazy to me that people have lived several years of their life getting notifications on their phone. I would never want notifications on my phone. I've never had them. And I know, too, that once you start something, I remember delaying HDTV or driving a nice car until I reached certain ages, just as a way to delay gratification, but also knowing that once you have an HDTV, you'll never go back. Lifestyle creep comes about, and, and it's just hard to go back once you go to something nicer and get acclimated to it. Uh, so notifications on the phone would be something similar. I, I used to not listen to anything while I was working out, knowing that someday will come when I'm unable to work out without headphones. And I never wanted that day to come. I delayed it as much as possible. And then when the, the gym started playing shitty music, finally I started listening to, to AirPods. But I think it was more podcast that finally got me listening to AirPods at the gym. And I do feel like you sacrifice relationships, especially with with the amount of relationships I was able to build at the gym. I mean, I met my wife there. I think about that all the time. I love putting some great music on while I work out. But I also, we talk about it all the time, meeting like-minded people. And what better place to meet badasses than at the gym. Yep. And so if you have your headphones in, you're missing the opportunity to meet someone that could also be someone who could be very instrumental in building your career or building friendships and or just having a relationship with someone who has similar habits. Yeah. You want to do fun questions? Sure. If Michelle Obama were to run for president, do you think she'd get elected? No. 
Which social media app do you use the most? Probably Instagram, but I try to avoid spending too much time on social media. Instagram is so different now, right? I mean, if you saw something that I posted, you would then see two things from people you didn't even know. And that usually veers you off into a rabbit hole, and then you're not there for your friends at all. I have to admit, those reels are so addictive. Oh, yeah. If I go down that rabbit hole, and again, I I try to spend my time reading books, journaling more than that. But on those times when I just want to do something completely mindless, I can go down that rabbit hole with the reels and actually really enjoy it and laugh out loud on some of them. Well, that would fall in line with what I was saying a few minutes ago, where I won't get on TikTok because I know how addictive it is. So I want to be different. I don't want to be the guy on TikTok. But man, it is amazing. One of my guys who runs a baseball league, he was on TikTok for two months before he crossed 10,000 followers, which sounds like a lot, right? I don't know what the average is. I'm sure TikTok, like Instagram, a lot of people have a lot of followers, and they'll never tell you that, of course. But he would post the practice that he was conducting, and he's posting primarily one, to show off his kids, and he wants to help get them scholarships, but two, to market his business because he runs a baseball, a select league with many different teams, and he can see in response to the post comments by kids saying, oh, is this down the street on Highway 249? Yes, and then they come and try out for his team. When in history have you been able to directly market to someone and see results almost instantly like that? Absolutely. It's so hard to put a value on that. And he was telling me the guy who cuts up the clips so he can post them on social media, he was telling me what he paid him, a a few hundred dollars or whatever it was. It's probably worth $2,000 or $10,000 if he's going to be able to field a team from those social media clips. So I was having this conversation with one of my guys who was – actually, it was him – he was being made fun of by one of the dads for how frequently he posted on social media because he's pretty prolific. Well, if that same dad had seen his face on a billboard, he would have felt pride. Oh, my son plays in that guy's league. The only difference is that coach, the guy who runs the league, would have paid several thousand dollars for that billboard to market himself versus posting something for free on TikTok or Facebook. When we were kids and you finished baseball practice in high school, maybe 15 minutes early, you just had to wait, right? You couldn't text your mom and say, hey, mom, we finished early. Come pick me up. So I don't know that the younger generation realizes the convenience of what they have with cell phones. I can remember literally sitting at fall practice or whatever it may be when it would get dark at 530 and practice ending and sitting in the dark in a dugout waiting for my mom to come pick me up because you couldn't text and say, Hey, we're now done with practice. You just had to wait. And if plans got changed and no different than if I, you know, in high school, Hey Brad, I'll meet you at the party at eight. If you were there at eight and I wasn't there at eight thirty, you just had to wait. My mom told me I couldn't go or my car broke down. Next thing you know, it's nine fifteen, and I guess he's not coming. think about that i know friday before you leave school you have to make plans what you're going to do that night absolutely yeah absolutely 
And okay. think about when we were in after baseball practice. Hey, we're all going to Flanagan's, right? We'll be there at six. Yeah. You couldn't text, say, hey, on the way. I know. Hey, at the bar, where y'all at? You just got there, and when others got there, they got there. It's so true. What kind of car do you drive, and why? 2017 Honda Accord. And why did you choose that car? Because I had another car that was giving me issues. I needed a car. I spent about 15 minutes online searching Honda Accords. I saw one with about 18,000 miles on it for a reasonable price. The note was like 230 a month. Okay, wow. 240 a month. And it's paid off by now, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Do you think you'll finance your next car and what do you think your payment would be? Yes, I will finance it. I would have to guess it'll be somewhere between 700 to to $1,000. Wow. So you'd probably buy a new car, you think? Mm-hmm. Probably so. Why is that? No time soon. My car has 90,000 miles on it. It's paid for. Drive knock, to the wheels, on come wood. on. Very cool. Probably so. And I don't have a need for anything else. I don't have four kids that are going back and forth to soccer practice. It's 50% of the time me in my car when my daughter's with her mother. Are you ever tempted to buy a Maserati or something like that? No. Never? No. Never a temptation? No. Good for you. It would just be flexing if I did. And I'd rather flex on the money I would spend on a Maserati getting another asset that makes me more money. And how many assets do you have that make you money right now? I've got, uh, of course, my primary residence. I've got an investment property. And, of course, I've got my investments. Cool. And where do you invest primarily uh, aside from your two investment properties? Um, So, of course, I contribute to my 401k. I've got a separate IRA. I've got a separate money market. I haven't done much individual stock trading where I really like this company. I know you do a little bit of that. I haven't done much of that. I invest in travel. Good for you. I like to hear that. I invest in other people with my coaching business. I invest in life experiences. I invest in my daughter's health. I invest in things that bring me joy. More money doesn't bring me joy. Money gives me the option and ability to find more things that bring me joy. Well said. At what age do you think you'll retire from the corporate world? Probably typical age, 60-ish. But I enjoy my job. I really do. Speaking of travel, if given the opportunity to travel somewhere for the month of October for 30 days, where would you go? It's tough to say because I just got back from a pretty big vacation. But if I didn't have a work constraint and I could go anywhere for 30 days, start out maybe in Germany, work my way down to Switzerland, down to Italy, do some more of Croatia, maybe get over to Romania. If I've got 30 days, it'd be nice not just to have a plan, to have a landing spot, whether it be Frankfurt Airport or another major airport, and I've got 29 more days with no time constraint and it'd figure go, it out from there. You've fast. done it. Seems like I it know. worked out pretty well, well for you. And one of my regrets was not spending more time in specific locations. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would have done differently because like you thinking I have – 30 days, I would be like, oh, I'm going to go to London for four days, Amsterdam for five, go down to Nuremberg for four, see my buddy, you know, and 
really, if I had to do it over again, I would have spent three weeks in London and a month in Amsterdam, and I would have taken it slower. Yeah, but you learn from that. I mean, that's that's yep. one of the things that I'm very grateful for is on my last trip, you've been there. So when I tell you I've got four days in Munich, and then I've got seven more days from this geographical location, where would you spend your other seven days? So having a friend that's been there, done it, can make it that much more strategic. One of my favorite things to do while island, island hopping Havar, that mm-hmm. area of Croatia, yeah. was finding rocks to jump off of. Did yeah. you do any of that? I didn't, but I saw as we were on the boat leaving in beautiful crystal clear water, someone jumping off of probably a 60-foot cliff into the water. Whoa. I'll tell you what, what else was pretty cool is I didn't know about sea urchins. Mm. And whenever I got off the boat, I was swimming and I saw on the rocks, because the water's crystal, what looks like like almost like a whoopee cushion with little tentacles on it. That's what sea urchins are. And I mm. didn't know if you step on them, you basically have to get a doctor to remove the tentacles. They're pretty poisonous. Wow. So we actually got to, uh, my buddy got to hold one. Like, because if you hold it in the palm of your hand, mm-hmm. the bottom is, is clear. But I saw in Anthony Bourdain, they actually eat those hmm. sea urchins. They cut them in half and eat the inside of them, which is interesting. You know how much Anthony Bourdain was worth when he died? I remember you telling me, I think it was less than like, a hundred thousand dollars or something. No, it was one point two million. That's but, what he was worth. Yeah, when he died. When he died. Okay. I would have thought it'd be much higher than that. Yeah, but he lived a lifestyle which I respect. Which was, I just want to travel and meet cool people. It's not about the money. It's not about the assets. I hate that he had such mental health issues. Which goes to show you, people on TV think, man, this guy's living the dream. He's meeting cool people. He's eating out. I love his saying: "Have a pint in a." mostly vacant bar, right? Have the cream sauce, meet people, right? Stuff like that. I love that saying, but just goes to show you, you never know what struggles people are going through. Man, I've, I've said for a long time that I think God created Hollywood just to demonstrate for us that fame and fortune don't make for a happy life. Agreed. What does? I had this conversation this week too. It's interesting you bring it up because when 9-11 happened recently, or or the anniversary, I came across one of the guys that was on one of the airlines that hit the Twin Towers in New York City, and he was able to call his wife prior to hitting the building, and he left a voicemail. And what he said was, and he had a very calm tone, he said, Baby, I absolutely love you, and I want you to go and do fun things. I want you to let my parents know that I love them. Okay, I hope to see you when you get there. And it told me that when you strip away everything, when your future is no more, all that's left is relationships. Agreed. And he couldn't express himself enough to his wife how much he loved her. That's what he thought to do. Of course, that's what we'd all do in that circumstance. But how do you say it? And he was just like, I absolutely love you. I just could relate to that so much. 
that that's exactly what I would do. That's all you can do. And I just hope that I would have the peace that he had. And I think we all strive to live a life that in our final moments, we're at peace knowing that we were a good man. Fulfillment. I want my tombstone to read. I just want in bold at the top, he was a great father. Mm, That's great. That's it. In other words, of course, I want to be a great man. I want to be a, a great husband. I want to be a great friend. This podcast doesn't get as many listeners per episode as it used to when we recorded our first episode. And I know why that is. It's because I don't publish as many episodes. When my daughter was born, I had a decision to make. Am I going to keep up this pace of releasing an episode every week or every 10 days? Or am I going to be fully present with my daughter? And I think 12, 15, 40 years from now, I'm going to look back and appreciate the decision that I made. I'm still keeping it up because I'd like to go back to posting as frequently, but I've proven to myself that I can generate an audience and hopefully they stick with me even if it's on the periphery. And once I get back in it, when I'm done raising my kids, I just feel like this is such a special age at two. She said yesterday, she said because for the first time, she had always said cubus. And my wife told me, she said because, she'll never say cubus again. And we were kind of sad about that. So I, I just want to experience these special times at this age and I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I mean, I, the other day I was calculating how much just in salary I had walked away from when I quote unquote retired. It's seven, easy seven figures, mm-hmm. right? Just salary. And would I accept that money and trade the memories that I've made the last eight years? Hell no. No chance. Well, when you're on your deathbed, you're not going to say, man, I had an amazing podcast. You're going to say, I've got an amazing wife and an amazing daughter. Yes. Wow, Aria, look at you. I'm so proud of you. Yes. But there is something to be said, too, for the relational aspect of this. Because I don't know if we'd be here today. I'd like to think that we'd be here. But the one of the main reasons is because you were so good the first time that I'm getting message like, hey, you should get this dude back on. And I'm like, yeah, that's my dog. Let me see if he'll meet me. Absolutely. And it's a reason to get together. And it benefits others. And that's huge. And that takes me to, I'm thinking we talked about at the gym, it's a little bit of a disservice to wear headphones because you don't meet good people. So when you think about the habits that you have and forming relationships with you have with people that also have healthy habits, it's hey, meet me to record a podcast to help others. Mm -hmm. That's a healthy habit that you have and a reason for us to get together as opposed to if you're mingling with people who don't have healthy habits, it's, hey, man, let's go do something that's not a healthy habit. I want the people that I surround myself with to have healthy habits, and the reason I'm meeting up with them is to do something beneficial for myself and for others as opposed to something selfish. Well said. Let's do word association. So we've not done this yet on the podcast, but I'm trying something new. So tell me the first word or phrase that comes to mind when I say the following words or phrases. First thing that comes to mind when I say dating in 2023. Complicated. Europe. Amazing. America's southern border. I don't know. Life before the internet. Easier. Marijuana. 
support it. Pornography. Good and bad. Getting wiser. Trying to every day. LSU football. Go Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> Drew Brees. Stud. Great family man. Odell Beckham. Flashy but great player. Coach Prime. Love what he's doing for the youth. Love it. October. Fall weather. Barack Obama. Well spoken. Mm, Donald Trump. Make America great again. Your dad. Amazing. Great father. Many of our friends are diehard LSU fans. If you could have $500 cash on January 1, 2024, or see LSU win the national championship this year, which, which would you choose? For 500 I would say national championship. If it was 1000 I'd probably take the money. Mm, interesting. So I've seen this question asked as it pertains to your local WNBA team. Would you take $5 cash or would you want your WNBA team to win? And most people take the cash, the five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't even get you a tall, flat white. Have you? Are you drinking coffee these days or I, no? I never do. No. That's amazing to me. I never have. Never. Never. I, I've drank a cup of coffee, yes, but I would say in my lifetime I have definitely not drank more than 20 cups of coffee in my lifetime. Not because I don't drink coffee, I, it has no reason other than I just never drank it. What's your favorite animal? First thing just came to my mind because we're spitballing here was eagle. Hmm. Oh, no, it, no, lion. <laughs> Definitely lion. Uh, maybe you thought eagle because of America? Maybe so, and there's something about a freedom of flying in the sky. Mm. But I love the lion. They say you're a free spirit if you have dreams that you're flying. You know, I, I haven't drank much at all in the last... I probably haven't had a sip of alcohol in the last three years. Really? Yeah. Really? You know something I read recently is that there's no way to predict whether or not you're going to be an alcoholic. Like, you can't have an alcoholic father and say, well, you're going to be an alcoholic because your dad was an alcoholic. The best predictor is how susceptible you are to intoxication. Mm. So if you have a buddy who could drink five beers with you, you're drinking five beers. If he's slurring his speech, he's way more likely to be an alcoholic than you if you can hold your liquor, so to speak. Hmm. I've never thought about that. I heard that. Yeah. Hmm. I had not either. But so it makes sense. Three years, no sip of alcohol. Mm -mm. I remember five, six years ago. One of the times we went to Europe, you drank a beer. And I think on that 10-day, 11-day trip, you drank one beer. And that was it. You know how much money that saved me? I do know. I've never opened a tab at a bar in my life. <laughs> that's, that's nuts. That's absolutely nuts. Yeah, I've got a, a buddy of mine who is an alcoholic. And he keeps on his phone as a reminder of why not to drink amongst so many other reasons. And he's doing exceptional. He's doing great. He's actually got a podcast uh, to help other alcoholics on the healthy habits that he has. And one of the things he keeps on his phone is a running tab of how much money he used to spend on alcohol, Uber rides, taxis, 
everything associated with alcohol, and it's over $100,000 since he's been sober. And then you think about if that money were invested, you're talking about a quarter million dollars. Earning 5 6% right now, compounding interest. They say the two things you don't want to get addicted to because they're so hard to get off of, they're so hard that they kill people, are benzodiazepines and alcohol. Benzos being Xanax, Valium, anxiety medications. Mm-hmm. Which I've never taken. Have Have you taken anxiety med- medications? I've never taken them prescription wise, but I've eaten a Valium before. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I have. I had to take one recently. I had an injection in my neck, and they gave me a Valium, and I, I felt it. Man, it really like chilled oh, me out. Yeah, absolutely. I can see how people would get addicted to it, but alcohol, man. When you're in your forties, it's harder to recover than when you were in your thirties, which is harder to recover than when you were in your twenties. So I don't want to risk feeling like shit on a Saturday morning. It's just not worth it to me. When you have kids, I mean, Absolutely. no way. Well, my buddy calls it not drinking is the cheat code to life. Mm, I'll buy that. I'm always telling young guys, don't squander your youthful energy. You'll never have as much energy as you have right now. When you combine that with not getting drunk on a Friday or Saturday night, as opposed to you sat home and read a book or listened to an amazing podcast or did a thousand push-ups. I can remember going to a buddy's house and his older brother who was successful was upstairs in his room and I thought, I'll bet he's reading. And one of my guys this week was telling me, he's 22, and he was telling me how he's afraid to go to meetings and not know things. And I told him, that... 40-year-old that you might be meeting with, a lot of times he's not smarter than you. He's just older. He's probably spent his time watching mindless things on Netflix, just like the next guy. And I think, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with having that downtime and watching, like growing up, the funny Adam Sandler movie or something like that. Even today, I, I think Happy Gilmore is one of the funniest movies ever. So I don't think there's a problem with taking an hour and a half or two hours watching a funny movie to give yourself some comic relief, you know? Oh, yeah. Life is balance, right? All things in moderation. I was saying this week about how part of life is living. And when these guys that I coach, are, are, they start to get big checks... If you have a consistent habit of being frugal, sometimes you've got to force yourself to spend a little money. All right? If you're in sales and get a 20k check, 30k check, you need to spend 6k of that because part of life is living. I don't know if you've ever heard my theory about why I don't want to take my daughter to the zoo. It's no. because when I was on safari in Africa, <clears throat> I saw kids on in our jeep and how much they didn't appreciate seeing a giraffe because they had seen them all their lives i had julia vile on the podcast who's selling real estate in cancun playa del carmen that area the riviera maya just a little plug for her because she's referred me several people to the podcast that have been great but she was saying the first time she grew up in Russia, the first time she saw an elephant in Thailand, she thought they were magical creatures. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, I didn't, I didn't think they really existed. And so I just think how much more special it would be to see a lion in the wild for the first time versus at the zoo. 
So I'm going to try to hold out for her as long as possible. She's been to the aquarium with her Mimi in New Orleans, but I want to see if I can hold out at least the big five, hold out from her seeing the big five and take her on safari instead. And if you can combine a safari with volunteer work in the most destitute parts of the world, that is one of those deathbed things that you will be so grateful that you contributed in that way. And if you connect with them, like I, I got a text this week from Zambia, from a 22-year-old dude in Zambia. I mean, that's somebody, if you're into charitable giving, you can give directly to that dude by way of MoneyGram at CVS anytime. And if you give him 50 bucks, he can live on that for a month. That's nuts. It is nuts. The fact that he can communicate with me on WhatsApp instantaneously is nuts. Because that dude, when I met him, was living in a metal shack that looks like the shed where you keep your lawnmower without a floor. The floor is dirt. Unbelievable. Uh, Why did I? Oh, all things in moderation. Yeah, so I guess I was talking about balancing. Like when I started traveling the world, yes, I wanted to do fun, cool shit in Thailand. But I also got to stand where Jesus was baptized. I also visited Nelson Mandela's cell. And then the, the, the fun side is I swam with the sharks off the coast of Africa. You know, so it's like, yeah, you want to do the fun, awesome stuff balanced with the fulfilling stuff, the stuff that really sticks with you and, and fulfills your soul in a way that the fun stuff can't necessarily do. It makes you appreciate the fun things and the experiences that much more. Like going to Dakar, the concentration camp, makes me realize how grateful am I to live in a nation where the likelihood of that happening is slim to none. How great is it to live in a nation where I can get a job, provide for my family, have a roof over my head, and think about this, the majority of our friends have never had to wonder, when will my next meal be? We talked about this earlier. It's not, when will my next meal be? It's, should I eat a steak or should I have the fish tonight? There's a beauty in that, and there's a there should be a hum, a, some humility in that. Because why was I so grateful to be born in Louisiana and not Afghanistan? What, what did I do? Which then oh, takes yeah. us into spirituality, right? Yes. Was I reincarnated? <laughs> and then in my former life, I, I was a good boy. So I got to be born in Louisiana with an amazing family to give me the opportunities to prosper, as opposed to being born in Afghanistan. And my village got raided by Al-Qaeda. What choices did they have? Oh, I know. When you're in Africa, you so strongly desire for people in America to visit there. We'd be driving through downtown Lusaka on the way to the school where we were volunteering, and there would be 4,000 dudes of military age, let's say 18 to 30, just standing around downtown, moving as if it was Mardi Gras, like together as sardines on Bourbon Street. Not that tightly packed together, but either like interacting two feet apart or just standing there. And we'd ask our driver, what are these guys doing? And he would say, well, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't get it. What, what could they be doing? They weren't drinking. And, and then there was a guy that came up to our car 
hawking his wares, so to speak, and he had a stick with white cloth wrapped around it. And our driver bought a piece of the white cloth that he tore off, and he paid probably 40 kwacha, which is their currency, so maybe not a lot of money, maybe 17 cents, I don't know. And I said, what are you going to do with that? And he said, I'm going to use it to wipe my windshield, but I just wanted to give him business. And I'm like, wow. But that's how that guy was going to make money. And at least he was doing something to earn money. But then you drive 10 miles outside of town and you haven't seen a house for 10 miles. And there's a woman walking on the side of the road with three feet of stuff on her head. She has to have been walking since 3 a.m. because she wouldn't have made it this far with all that stuff on her head. And how does she do that? How does she balance all that stuff on her head? Well, they've been doing it all their lives. But it's just incredible. All the the black folks that we saw standing around in downtown Lusaka. So the the family that I stayed with, you may have heard this story before, but I met their daughter on a ferry in Thailand. And she told me she was from Zambia. And I said, oh, that's impossible. She was a lily white redhead. And she said, oh, no, there's like 10,000 whites. That's what they call them there. And 10 million total population. So that's what, 0.01% of the population is white. And it just so happened that we exchanged contact information. And she said, in your world travels, if you ever go through Zambia, you can stay with my mom and dad. And I did. And That's so cool. It is so cool. And we flew from there to the border of Zambia and Zimbabwe, where the second largest waterfall in the world is, next to Iguazu Falls, which is on the border of Argentina and Brazil. So we spent time there and then flew down to Cape Town, which is so beautiful. But I don't know if you'd want to go to South Africa right now. There's a a lot of political instability and resentment for white folks there. I don't know if you saw, but one of their political leaders talked about killing the boar, which is white farmers. Mm -hmm. And he said it in front of a stadium of 60,000 people. Elon Musk actually tweeted about it or posted about it. I don't know if you can say tweet anymore. I bought Elon Musk's. Uh, biography recently, Walter Isaacson wrote it. He's the same guy who wrote Steve Jobs's mm. biography. It is excellent. He was discovered to be a genius when he was three years old. That's crazy. And to be an aut- autist also. He was on the spectrum, so to speak. The biography talks about how he thrives on drama and how he got his ass whipped by his brothers and his dad growing up. And just a totally different upbringing than what we're accustomed to in the States. And just the audacity to move halfway across the world. He started in Canada and would take trains all across Canada to visit people that were distantly related to him. Like it'd be his mom's sister's cousin or something. And and he'd go from, say, Ontario to Vancouver all the way across Canada with very little money and ultimately made a name for himself. And you know what he attributes a lot of his success to? Thinking and reading. Reading is such a powerful skill that can be traded for anything. It's so valuable. 
It enables you to contribute to conversations. What's been your favorite part of this episode? Just getting to talk about life. What do we want out of fulfillment in life? Isn't it interesting since we know that thousands of people are going to listen, we focus more and it's a more engaging, deeper conversation than we, than we might have otherwise, mm -hmm. especially jumping from different topics. That's not something we would do if we hadn't hit the record button, I feel like. Well, part of that is, again, we go back to social media, net negative or net positive. I've heard you ask that question. Same thing with cell phones, the accessibility. I'm recording, so therefore my phone is completely out of sight, out of mind. You have my undivided attention. Why do we need a podcast recording to give that to people? Yeah. One of my guys, when I called him today, he was playing the guitar, and he talked about how meditative that was mm -hmm. for him. Young folks listening, if your attention spans are waning, that's a great idea. If you don't have a journaling habit, if you're not reading regularly as you should be, pick up a guitar. That would be great. Sometimes I worry we don't have enough nature around us where we live in Houston. It's so beneficial to touch grass. <laughs> There's been, uh, I saw an article the other day that I wanted to read, but it was on Apple Plus, so I had to pay for the subscription, which I didn't do. But it was the health benefits on walking outside, not just walking on a treadmill, but being out in nature while walking, the health benefits. And again, I didn't read the article because I would have had to pay, but mm -hmm. it looked like something I would have been interested in for sure. There are huge... There are huge benefits to grounding. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but that would be doing that barefooted, mm -hmm. which is something we did as a kid. Mm -hmm. And I've started to do that a little bit. It feels wonderful to put your foot on the grass. grass. Especially in fall weather. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right, buddy. You're someone I deeply respect. Some, somebody I'd do anything for. All you need to do is ask. I really appreciate you coming back and doing this a second time. If we do this a third time, let's not make it four years from now. Okay? Agreed. We can do it. Awesome. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, man. Listeners, I don't have a podcast without you. I never take it lightly that you've chosen to spend your time with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please copy the link, send it to your buddy or your girlfriend or your group. No, don't send it to your girlfriend's friend. Huh? <laughs> That's bad news. That's you can't keep old lady because you keep messing with her friends. Huh? <laughs> Juvenile. <laughs> By the way, have you watched that on NPR? Phenomenal. Oh my God. What do they call it? A tiny concert? Tiny desk concert, but juvenile. It's, it's phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. All right, folks. Appreciate you listening. Thank you. 